This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's a Tuesday night. They were in for Carlin. I'm in for them with you for the next two hours. Uh, predominantly getting you ready for Thursday night football as uh, you've got the Giants on a short work week heading to our nation's capital to take on the Washington football team. Jordan Renan is going to join us on the show at 1030 this evening. Uh, so we'll get the latest from him. Uh, what can we realis- realistically expect from Saquon Barkley on Thursday night? Uh, how do the Giants rebound uh, after a disappointing loss? Uh, 27-13 to the Denver Broncos. So excited to uh, talk to Jordan Renan. And then uh, at 11 o'clock, good friend of mine, Bram Weinstein, who's uh, part of the Washington broadcast team. Uh, one of the voices in the booth. I've known Bram forever and a day. I've had him on my programs before. Uh, hopefully that name rings a bell. He's got his finger on the pulse of Washington better than most. And uh, so he's going to be joining us at 11 o'clock tonight. So excited to have him on. As we know, uh, no fits magic. No no, uh, no fits magic on, uh, on Thursday night. So uh, Heineke is going to get the start for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, Fitzy only got 16 snaps in on Sunday in week one. Some big expectations for Washington heading into the season, and now he's going to be on the shelf. He's been placed on IR, and reports are he's not going to play for six to eight weeks. So it's Heineke's team right now. Cam Newton is out there. And don't forget, head coach Ron Rivera knows Cam Newton very well. Their time in Carolina did not make the call. So uh, he must feel really, really confident in Heineke and what he can do, and we'll see what he can do against the Giants defense on Thursday night. But we'll do a deep dive into that because I won't I won't be on. This is my only night that I'm filling in, so I thought maybe why not make it somewhat of a, 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 a Thursday night football preview show for a lot of you. And uh, But I'll be back, of course, on Friday night for Weekend Wager from 10 to midnight, getting you ready for uh, all the college and football action over the weekend. And then, of course, as we just heard from Greeny, man, we are steamrolling, that's for sure. I can't believe it's going to be Wednesday tomorrow uh, into week two. But typically, I feel like this is what happens. Does it not? I feel like this is what happens during football season. The weeks go by so fast, so quickly. It's really, really unbelievable. Um, We'll open up the phone lines. Of course, you know, as always, I love to hear from you guys. Also, we'll, we'll talk some fantasy. I know tonight is a big night in regard to fantasy football. You need to be active and attractive, like I always like to say. Uh, on your waiver wire uh, to make sure you're going out there and you're picking up the right guys. So uh, I'll, 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 do, I'll do a deep dive into that. If you haven't uh, put in your waiver wire requests, of course, they go through around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning heading into Wednesday. So we still have time to get that done. Uh, but, uh, and we'll take your calls, 800-919-3776. But let's talk about what's going on right now uh, in this Mets game. Uh and so you've got the Cardinals that are up 4-3 right now, top of the eighth, one out, two on. Familia, of course, gave up a two-run home run, as we heard Gordon and Larry tell you, to, uh, to O'Neal. So that's what put the cards ahead. And it's really unfortunate because, as we know, the Mets, out of the wild card race in the National League, they need to win the division in order to get into the postseason. And you have Atlanta that lost to Colorado tonight. And you have the, the Phillies who lost to the Cubs tonight. Or right now they're losing. Um, six to three, top of the eighth. So, you know, this, this, is, this is one of those uh, really huge opportunities for the Mets to take advantage of the situation. And uh, they're still five and a half games back to Atlanta in, in the division. 
but it's it's really a shame if uh, they can't put some more points on the board uh, in the next inning or two and uh, and try to win this out because uh, you know if 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 things continue to go the way that they do with the Phillies and the Cubs. Still, at the end of the day, it's Atlanta that's uh, at the top of uh, the division, and they could have made some uh, some some leeway in that in that category. Um, Stroman went six innings, four hits, six strikeouts. Conforto, Baez, both getting in some action with their bats uh, to uh, to put up at least three runs for, to help put up three runs for the Mets. So that's where the Mets are right now. Again, I will keep you posted um, as this game continues. And then let's check in on what's going on with the Yankees. The Yankees are up on the Orioles 7-1, to which is great. Garrett Cole back on the bump uh, for the first time since uh, dealing with that hamstring issue. He went five innings, gave up four hits, only one run, seven strikeouts. And uh, a lot of guys getting in some action in regard to some ribbies uh, and home runs. Budge, Stanton, Voigt. Uh, the usual characters against Alec Wells, who pitched four innings, gave up seven hits, five runs, and only had three strikeouts. In regard to to the Yankees and their race, you've got the Rays taking on the Blue Jays right now in that series. So, again, you know you've you've got you've got the Yankees. They are nine games back. Like I am, I am shelving. I, I know a few weeks back we were like, wow, thirteen game win streak. It felt good. Could the Yankees possibly catch up with the Rays? Okay, I'm shelving that right now. Like that's a, realistically, it's about the Yankees making it as the wild card because they're nine game back to the Rays. So now you, if you're a Yankees fan, you want to root for the Rays. And of course, well, they beat the Blue Jays tonight, two zero. So that's great. Um, if the Yankees could pull this out, which into the eighth looks like uh, you know it looks like it's 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 a pretty good deal. They've got 13 hits on the night. Boston takes on Seattle at uh, at right now 10 o'clock. First pitch was at 10 o'clock. So um, I will keep you posted on that Boston Seattle game as well because you know obviously those are the teams you you want to you want to keep an eye on. It's uh, it's it's the Blue Jays, it's the Yankees, it's the Red Sox, it's Seattle, it's Oakland, and uh, it's going to be a fun September that race to see who gets in, who are the final two standing to make it into the postseason as uh, in that wild card, those two wild card spots. So, um, so that's the update right now in regard to what's going on in Major League Baseball. Like I said, um, I want to spend a lot of time tonight talking about the NFL. I'll open up the phone lines eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. So, uh, and, and, and predominantly, I'd like to talk about the Giants because their game is two nights away. It's a, it's, it's a as we know, a Thursday night game. They're coming off a loss to the Denver Broncos, 27-13. to 13. I've got a lot of interesting stats I want to share with you when we get back. I'll open up the phone lines. Like I said, we're going to hear from Jordan Renan in about 20 minutes. What is the latest with Saquon Barkley? What is the latest with this Giants offensive line? And, you know, even so, so Bram Weinstein, he has a show on ESPN in Washington. I was on his show earlier today. So it's kind of like scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. So he's coming on my show tonight. And, um, and it was interesting, you know, I've done each and every week. I, I do about two or three radio interviews across the country who either want to talk about gambling, want to talk about fantasy, or want to talk about the Giants, or want to talk about the Jets. 
And so obviously Bram wanted to talk about the Giants and, and it doesn't, no matter what, what station I'm on, what show I'm on, the question about Daniel Jones, Danny Jones always comes up in regard to, you know, how, how important this season is for him. And, and is this season a make or break season for the Giants to make a decision on Daniel Jones? Okay. And it, that's a lot. That, that's a lot when, when an organization um, takes a quarterback as early as the Giants did with Daniel Jones. There, there, there are some hefty expectations there, okay? And, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's one thing to, for example, let, let's take the Ravens, for example, right? Ravens traded into the back of the first round, came back in at 32 and took Lamar Jackson at 32. Granted, they traded back in. They didn't have to give a lot to get, to get back in and get him. And then they did their due diligence. They changed their entire offense to, to suit his skill set. And even though the Ravens lost last night to the Raiders, uh, you know, that offense is just, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. Whenever Lamar Jackson has the ball, you never know what's going to happen. Granted, he fumbled late in the game. Uh, he, he fumbled twice in the game. Those two fumbles definitely dictated the outcome, and the Ravens did lose to the Raiders last night. I understand all that. But this is, you know, this is this is a, a, a Ravens team that since they they drafted Lamar Jackson, they're always in the Super Bowl talk circles of teams that a number of analysts anticipate, expect, assume are going to make it to the postseason. And, and a lot goes into that, by the way, right? A, a team needs to do do their due diligence. They they drafted properly. They signed guys in free agency properly to, to of course, make the Ravens a, a, a somewhat of a juggernaut in the AFC North, okay? So it's not just all Lamar Jackson. It's, 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 there's a lot of moving parts in order for a quarterback to have success in the NFL. We know that. But the, 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 the payoff for what Lamar Jackson means to that franchise and means to that organization and what he and, – and, how he, his role and what he does to help that organization win in regard to where they got him, they're getting more bang for their buck. The Giants drafting Daniel Jones where they did, I mean, we were all shocked, if, if you recall. Let's rewind. We were all somewhat taken back. And he, so for me, the expectation is for him to, overperform, outperform Lamar Jackson, outperform. I mean, and, and I've talked about it before the last two years based on where the giants and the giant, and this isn't Danny's fault. Not that we're on a first name basis. This isn't on Daniel Jones's fault. This is where the rate where, where the, the giants drafted Daniel Jones. There is a hefty expectation that now comes along with him as a starting quarterback in the NFL to be top 10, top 15 in the NFL and help this organization win ball games. That's a lot of pressure as opposed to drafting a quarterback at 32 or even somewhere in the second round, which chances are if the Ravens 
would not have traded in. I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, maybe they had gotten wind that there was somebody who was going to take Lamar at 32. I don't know. But point being, th- there's so many positives about Daniel Jones, right? Really, like, extremely intelligent, bookworm, very similar to Eli Manning in regard to how he studies, watches film, helps with the game plan, all of that. An un, a, a, a deceiving athlete in that I don't think people realize just how athletic he is. Can make all the throws, has a really strong arm. You know, the, the, the one knock on Daniel Jones is... Well, a few. there's two to me. One is pocket presence, pocket awareness. You hear the phrase, wow, that dude's got eyes in the back of his head. Well, Daniel Jones does not. Now, is it fair to, to criticize him in that regard because he's been playing behind shoddy offensive lines since he was drafted by the Giants? Life isn't fair. I, I guess you can throw that kind of into the equation, but regardless... Eyes in the back of your head doesn't mean that you're not getting sacked. Eyes in the back of your head means no one to protect the football. So Daniel Jones checks all the boxes in regard to the personality and the attitude you need a quarterback to have to be able to play here in New York City because this is unlike any other city in the world. He's got the athleticism. He's got the arm. He's got the commitment. He's got the drive. But he's, he turns the ball over. He turns the ball over. So what is it? What is it about Daniel Jones that he does that quite frequently? And that's how you lose games. You don't convert on third down and you turn the ball over. If you lose, if you lose in those two categories, you're losing the game. I don't care if you could have Lamar Jackson on your team. If you're, if you're not converting on third down and you're turning the ball over, you're going to lose. And so that needs to stop. So the last few days since the Ravens played, uh, the Ravens, the Giants played Denver, I've, I've made a few calls to a few scouts who I know are really high and have been and were on Daniel Jones. And, and a lot of them still are. And all of them said the same thing. Common denominator with Daniel Jones is he doesn't know how to live for another day. What does that mean? Instead of, Trying to get the trying to get the ten yards on second down. You know what? Protect the football, take the hit at the seven, and then now you've got a third and three. Not not truly understanding or 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 feeling or getting the grasp of when to stop, when to when to live for another day that will ultimately help you protect the football and not turn the ball over. Okay. That's across the board. Everyone that I've spoken to since Sunday, common denominator, that was the biggest criticism of Daniel Jones coming out of Duke. Now I came back and, and, and I just, I want to throw this out and I think this is food for thought. This is something to marinate in. I had the conversation with a very dear friend of mine today and who knows the Giants extremely well and I said do you think again I don't think people realize just how unbelievably athletic Daniel Jones is and keep in mind he went to Duke 
And so the competition, and again, I'm just food for thought. I'm throwing it out here. The competition that Daniel Jones has had to play against his entire life was never as strong, was never as good, was never as fast as it is right now in the NFL. Again, he went to Duke. And so, and, and so this, is my, this, is, this is my assumption. I'm going to call it an assumption. My assumption is, if that is the common denominator of, of the one negative thing that scouts reported on Daniel Jones coming out of college, that he doesn't know how to live for another day, maybe because he never had to because he was always the best athlete on the field. He was always the best athlete in the room. He was always the best and therefore could not be stopped. Didn't have to deal with the very savvy, aggressive, smart defenders that know how to get after the ball and cause turnovers. But now he's playing in a new realm, a new element, with a different caliber of athlete than maybe he hasn't experienced before. And so now he has to retrain his mind to act differently. And that's, I just, that's really hard to do when and if, when and if his entire life he was always the best athlete on the field. I, it's just, it's food for thought because obviously we're going, we're on year three and it hasn't changed. <laughs> it, if, if, if I have scouts telling me this, if I'm talking about it, I can guarantee you that Jason Garrett has had this conversation, that Joe Judge has had this conversation, that Dave Gettleman has had this conversation with him, but it's not changing. Why isn't it changing? Maybe it can't change. It's hard. When you're in the moment, you're on that field. You know how important it is to move the chains. You know how important it is to, to, to get, that, get that first down. It's, it's, it's hard to recalibrate as an athlete and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the hit here. I'm going to go down. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to protect the ball, and we'll see what, can, well, we'll see what we can do on fourth and two. Food for thought. That might be what's wrong with Daniel Jones. I've been pretty outspoken since the moment they took Daniel Jones that I just did not expect at the sixth pick that the Giants were getting a player that was going to be somebody who's an eraser. You know, when I'm taking a quarterback that early, he's got to erase some of the other flaws in my football team. And you've got to have some traits that can do that. And Daniel Jones doesn't have any of those traits. Could Daniel Jones be a good starting quarterback when he's going to get really good protection, really good scheme, and have some solid skill position players around him. Yeah, he's going to be a good, solid starting quarterback, a very Kirk Cousins type of guy. But when you take him at six, whether it's not his fault, but fair or not, the expectation is you're going to elevate, and you're going to be the guy who can go get his own shots. And Daniel Jones just isn't capable of that. It's Dan Orlovsky talking about Daniel Jones. My heart goes out to the kid. 
It really does. 800-919-3776. By the way, uh, Cardinals still up on the Mets. 4-3, top of the ninth. Lindor with an error, infield error. And so Cardinals have a guy on first, uh, no outs. And the Yankees right now, 7-2 against Baltimore, bottom of the ninth, and one out. And uh, Chapman is uh, is looking to get the save. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Val. Val, welcome in. Good evening, my ultimate sports chick. <laughs> and the guru. The guru. My mom, like, um, from now on in the future, okay, because we go back from now on in the future, I'm going to keep my difference of opinions to myself. Why? But That's, not fun. Sunday, That's not fun. That's not fun. No, but now I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the reverence that you deserve. You were right. You were right. I don't. I, I think you said you might not have gotten it with that spread because I think you said something about some alternate spread at six and a half. But damn near everything that you said was going to happen on Sunday happened, and it hurt to watch it. The only thing that made me feel good, and I'm talking. I know you got some giant stuff you're getting into, but I'm talking about the Jets. Mm-hmm. The only thing that, that gave me some 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 really good feelings was watching the kid in that second half and the way he was doing things. You know what I mean? And I do, but but and, and, and listen and but don't and don't don't go anywhere, Val. But I just want to I, I hear what you're saying, but keep in mind at ten minutes into the fourth quarter, Carolina went to a bend don't break offense. They put they they took they took they took their foot off the pedal. So, so and, and they, they, they they opened up some stuff for us. I hear you. With yeah, that. I mean, so let's just that, let's keep you know? it. Let's just keep it. I just want to keep it real. That's all. I just want to keep it real. So I hear you. I hear you. And again, from now on, no difference of opinion. So you got as real as you want with me. I'm not saying anything against you. We, whatever you say, I'm listening. But I do want to ask you your opinion about this because I think you know a lot of what hurt us. You know, the tight ends that I asked you about, they turned out to not really be my worries. You know, the wide receivers, they turned out – I mean, they had, we had a lot of drop balls, but I think as the weeks go on, those are things that they hold on to. But the two things that I got issues with, and I want to know if, if I'm seeing it right, I don't the, – the first one is defense. I don't understand as – I know we bad in the secondary and we have no experience, but you know what? At some point, you got to let them kids try to man up with people. You can see the cushions on every single play. Every time they do something, the cushions and this, this you know, the, the – uh, and they kept doing like the the we using the safety and the the cornerback like the I can't remember what they call it, but that zone read that they were trying to give them, and they kept leaving those pockets. And all you were expecting the the, the, the quarterback to do at that point was make a tackle. You know what I mean? And the other thing that I got issues with, I I think that as bad as our offensive line looked, I think they could scheme their their, their way out of that because there were a lot of blitzes and a lot of guys that were just running free. You know what I mean? Almost like somebody missed an assignment or somebody nobody made a point of trying to pick up. I don't know if it was the running back that was supposed to get in at that point and make that block. And I know you probably didn't watch the game as closely as I did because you're not as attached to it as I am. But damn, Anita, it hurt. It really did. It really, Again, really did. It really Val, did. I, I, Val, I have I'm, so much I'm, promise for what I'm saying. I, I, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. Um, I'm really sorry. Again, as I've been telling people, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You have two rookie linebackers, and your starting quarters are rookies. 
So, I, <laughs> I mean, what, do, what can you even say on the defensive side of the ball? You know, Sam Darnold did, did not have – Sam Darnold did not play well, but his numbers were solid. That, that, that's how poorly this defense played because Sam Darnold did not play well. Sam that get that it should have been 20 nothing at the half. Carolina left a lot of points out on the field in the first half. For sure. I don't think the schedule's ideal for um, coming back off a major knee injury to have two games back to back, but that's what it is. That's what's in front of me and that's the challenge I have to face and to the question of, you know, my workload and how much can I handle, you know, it's easy for me to stay up here and say I don't know. Just listen to the coaches, but when you're in the game and your adrenaline going in and you start getting the rhythm and you start feeling yourself again, that can go from less reps to more reps, I don't know to be honest. So, I don't make that decision. I'm just playing my role by showing up on Thursday and the plays that I do get, try to help my team to the best of my capability. That is uh, Saquon Barkley. What can we expect on Thursday night? Much of the same? Something different? Let's bring in Jordan Renan. Jordan, hi, good evening. How you doing? Anita, how we doing tonight? Hey, I'm, I'm doing... I'm coming up quick. I'm doing great. Uh, the Mets are doing a little bit better, better. Just to give everybody an update right now, Baez, home run... So now the Mets have tied it up against the Cardinals 4-4. So keep you posted. Again, a great opportunity for them as Atlanta and the Phillies have lost tonight, just FYI. Um, okay, so, so bring us up to speed in, in regard to uh, Saquon Barkley. What, what, what can uh, Giants fans realistically expect from him on Thursday night? Well, I think you expect him to play, uh, which is something because, look, he came back from a major injury, knee injury. The fact that he came through week one, I think, was something like one of the few positives you could take from that game. Uh, it's it's quite it's a I keep calling it an awkward situation. It really is because imagine coming back from a serious a knee injury, right? And it's hard enough to go play football. He's taking hits for the first time ever, right? You don't take hits in practice, so he comes back and takes hits for the first time ever. I mean, I mean since his injury, and and then uh, he has to come back, you know, three days rest and go back out there and do it again. So the fact that he could do that and that that's the plan, I think that's a positive. Now, when you go and that's the situation and you're the coach and you're the, the organization and this is one of your key players and he's in that situation, like he's not going to go out there and then all of a sudden get the ball 30 times. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think, I don't think they should do that. I mean, if somebody does, you obviously uh, – it's not in the best interest, I don't think, of that player. Maybe it's in the best interest of the team short term, but – uh, you're you're certainly not thinking at thinking and putting the, the player's best interest uh, in in the forefront there. So uh, I think we're going to see much of the same from Saquon. What was it? Forty-eight percent of the snaps. Um, he had 20, eleven I've got total the stats. touches. Yeah, I've got the stats here. Twenty-nine snaps. Twenty-nine snaps. Forty-seven well, really percent. The twenty-ninth was the twenty-ninth was uh, negated penalty play, so technically it doesn't count. So twenty-eight snaps. 47 percent 11 yeah. touches 27 11 yards touches, one, one of three yeah, if he didn't drop the ball it would have been 12 touches right he dropped the pass so i mean i think the 12 to 15 touch range is kind of very realistic for saquon in this game so pretty much similar to, to what you saw in that opener but but based on like so so what when i what i watched 
I felt I saw him. He looked a little tentative to me. Did he look? Did he look tentative to you when he ran with the football? What What, what was when when I he don't did know have about the ball? Tentative, but... Yeah, go ahead. The, the word I would use actually would be rusty, a little bit, and he okay. used that as well. And okay. I kind of agree. I kind of agree with him. Like, I don't think he was a tentative. I think more more so when I went back and watched it, he just missed seeing a couple holes. You know, like maybe if he was, you know, you know, just in a better state of mind or, or just playing a little bit faster, he would have seen some holes that he kind of missed in that game. There were, there were a few opportunities where he could have gained yards, probably should have gained yards, or should have been able to get to a spot where he could maybe get into some open field like two or three times I saw. Um, so I think, and look, not everybody. I mean, to do what Adrian Peterson did is, is just freakish, right? Uh, I think for the most part, what we're seeing from Saquon Barkley is the norm. The guys come back from these serious knee injuries, and it takes some time for them to get back. Mm-hmm. You know, usually what Saquon did in his first game, what guys would do like in the preseason game, right? But he didn't get that opportunity because he was on such a tight timeline. It's just you know the, his you know it didn't he didn't have that opportunity to get that rust out, to get back into game action, to get back into you know seeing the holes, hitting them, making those cuts that you, know, that you really can't simulate unless you're in the game. So I think he'll get better as he went on. What I did find interesting, because I didn't really see it, and again, I'm not really saying this is a negative. I almost expect it. But I didn't see like a full explosive, the full explosion of Saquon. Now maybe it's because he didn't have the opportunity to get in open space. Can they get him into open space, by the way, Jason Garrett, please? Like design a play where you get him into open space at some point. Is that too much to ask? Like, shouldn't that be what he's sitting there doing at night? So he's like every night, like the last six months. But uh, aside from that, I I asked him. I said, did he think he had when he went back and looked at himself? Did he look at himself as having explosion and the explosion necessary? And he said yes. I probably would disagree with him. And I think if I had him like truth serum and was able to talk to him you know, three months from now, and he's back to his normal self, he'll be like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really fully explosive then. I mean, I probably thought I was, but, you know, it takes some time to come back from this from this kind of injury. So uh, I think I think you'll get a better version of Saquon each week as we go along. Uh, the 10 days should be really good between, you know, this game against Washington and then the next game against Atlanta. Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 90.7 ESPN. Let's talk about Daniel Jones, and let's talk about this offensive line before we do get to Danny, okay? Um, right. In, in, in the course of the game, Soldier and Lemieux, I thought were benched, but I, I'm, I have a feeling Lemieux is, is more of the, a knee issue more than poor yeah, you performance. Don't get, you don't, you don't, Joe Judge said it was uh, rotation. You don't get rotated out and mm-hmm. sit out the final seven or eight drives and not come back in. That's not what a rotation is. <laughs> so, uh, but as, I, what, I mean, what, 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 went Soldier, wrong, what went wrong here, Jordan? I mean, why, why is this, you know, all we hear from Dave Gettleman is hog mollies this, hog mollies that. Like, what went wrong here? Well, I mean, Anita, you just brought it up. Nate Solder, you could start right, right there with one of them. I mean, uh, you can make the argument, and Dave Gettleman has made a bunch of bad moves, that that's the worst you know, signing he's made. I mean, it just hasn't worked out. 
they haven't, you know, they they haven't gotten much from Nate Solder besides subpar play, to be quite honest. And I am, I would be concerned that Nate Solder's, you know, pretty much done. Uh, and so that's you could start right there. But they put a lot of money. I mean, in the highest paid offensive tackle in NFL history. Yep. Think about that for a second. Think about that. And what's the return on that? Now, Andrew Thomas, he played all right in, in, the, in the opener, so I think that's promising. Now let's see what he does against Chase Young and Montez Sweat. He kind of got mm-hmm. a break with Bradley Chubb. Right. So let's see how he does. But, look, Shane Lemieux is injured. His knee's bothering him. He was listed as, a, even though it was projected, did not practice the last two days. You might see Nick Gates at guard in this game. Billy Price, who they picked up from the Bengals, at center. I wouldn't rule that out of the possibilities for sure. Uh, so you might see a different-looking offensive line. But the bottom line is they're questionable at best at both tackle spots right now, Anita. Both tackle spots. And, and Will Hernandez kind of is what he is. He's an okay player. That hasn't panned out to be a great pick. And look – you can go through them all. I mean, right now, you look at Dave Gettleman's picks. Where are the winners? You know? I mean, Saquon, you could pick apart that pick. Daniel Jones, you could pick apart that pick. Will Hernandez, you could pick apart that pick. Like, Andrew Thomas, like, where is the pick that's a slam? Like, the only pick I could look at that Dave Gettleman has made as we sit here right now, and you say, oh, this was a good pick, was Darius Slayton. Because Darius Slayton in the fifth round is a good pick. I don't care how you cut it. Right. Maybe like Tay Crowder in the seventh looks promising. But I mean, like where where that's that's how you end up where they are. Year eight of the offensive line rebuild. That's how it happens. Um, And before I let you go, let's let's talk about Daniel Jones. I I kind of I I talked about this in my open and it's a conversation I've had. You know, I've been since Sunday, I made several calls to scouts that I know were really high on Daniel Jones coming out. And I asked all of them, what, what's, what were your concerns? And all of them, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but pretty much all of them said he just, he, he, he doesn't understand to live for another day. And it's, it's all mm-hmm. or nothing, right? And so I'm just throwing, like, I'm throwing it out here. If you think I'm really, like, out of left field, say it. But, you know, first of all, agree with me that he's like really like exceptionally athletic and he went to Duke. Right. So a a part of me just kind of feel a part of me feels like he's, he's now that he's in the NFL, Jordan, he's going up against exceptional talent that maybe he hasn't faced his entire life. He didn't face it in Pee Wee and Pop Warner. He didn't face it in high school. He didn't face it in Duke. And so now stuff that he got away with before he's not getting away with here in the NFL. And so just, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to like, I hear all these wonderful things about him, right? Like really smart. First one there, last one to leave, like great with film analysis can make all the throws deceivingly fast. Like, like, but he keeps on turning the ball over. Why? And then again, I'm hearing, quote unquote, he doesn't know how to live for another day. Can, and, and can you can you re-engineer your mind? Can you re-engineer your mind to do that? It's a 
fair question. I mean, definitely you you would think that if you have all the requisite skills that he does have, including the smarts and his work ethic, that that would be something you would be able to adjust and get better at. Like, let's take, for example, that play the other day, okay, the fumble. They are just outside the red zone, right? They're, you're down 20 to, 20 to 7, I think it was, mid-third quarter, right? It is first down, Anita, first down, okay? He gets, out of the, he, he gets through this little pressure, and he decides to run. Now, he has two lanes. There's one down the middle, or he could just run, you know, on an angle towards the sideline, get his easy eight yards and, you know, walk out of bounds and not take a hit. You know who does that every time? Aaron Rodgers, right? That's like an Aaron Rodgers move. I could just see him in my head right now jogging like nicely to the sideline. He runs on an angle and runs out of bounds. Okay? Daniel Jones, like that's the spot where you have to do it. Like there's no need for him to go take a hit. There's no need on first down when you just got a nice little gain on first down, you're in the red zone now, to go down the middle and dive head first and take a big, what's going to be a big hit from two defenders that are linebackers. Like, that's just not a, a smart play. And the thing that concerns me is what I think it is even more is that when the pressure comes, it's how does he handle it. When these situations come, does panic set in? And that seems to be the Achilles heel. Now, I'm not going to go nuts and overreact. It's one fumble in one game because the reality of the situation is year one, he has 11 lost fumbles, right? Huge number. Last year, he actually does a lot better at it. He knocks it down to six. So he did improve at it. Now, he has one in one game in year three. Should we all of a sudden say it's over, he's done, it's just going to keep happening over and over again? I think we need to wait it out a little bit more, but it's certainly a concern. And your theory is certainly, or whatever, the theory that a lot of your talent evaluators said, is certainly not crazy. There seems to be some credence to it, at least to a degree. Jordan, thank you so much. Always great uh, having you on. Uh, Really quick before I let you go, final outcome score on on Thursday night. What do you anticipate for the Giants in in Washington? They're going to win. They're going to win. They own Washington. They're going to win. And and their defense is going to come back, play a much better game. Patrick Graham is going to make life very difficult and confusing for Chad. Taylor Heineke is going to see things that he's never seen before. So I'll give you Giants 23, uh, Washington 20. There you go. All right. You one heard from one. Jordan Renan. One Jordan. and one. If they win, one and one, Atlanta at home the following week should be a win. Two and one. All of a sudden, the narrative changes big time. Jordan, have a great Look night. Appreciate, appreciate you as always, okay? All right, Anita. You got it. All right, anytime. you got it. You got it. Without further ado, Jordan Weinstein joins us now on 98.7 ESPN. Good friend of mine is crushing it in Washington, part of the Washington football team broadcast team, the voice of. Bram, how you doing? Good, Anita. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. 
Um, let's dive right into it. I want to know everything possible about this Washington football team. And let's start with the quarterback and Heineke. No Ryan Fitzpatrick, as we know, put on the IR. Unfortunately, I'm a huge Fitzmagic fan. Hopefully that hip heals soon. But tell us, what what can Giants fans, what can this Giants defense expect from Heineke on, on Thursday night? Uh, we're trying to figure out what to expect from them, too. So I, this is going to be a really, really, really interesting thing. Um, the quick backstory, for those who don't remember from last fall, Washington went through 8 million quarterback issues from Dwayne Haskins being benched to Alex Smith coming back with the fairy tale story off of the crazy injuries that he came back from. Kyle Allen, of course, you guys saw in both Giants matchups last year, got hurt. Jabril Preppers, you'll recall, ended up you know accidentally breaking his ankle, so that ended his season. And they ran out of options by the end of the year as Alex Smith's leg was kind of giving in on him. And they brought back Taylor Heineke, who was at the time in business school and has these ridiculous gaudy stats from when he played at Old Dominion, which clearly is not FBS. And he had caught the eye of Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator then in Carolina. He ended up making one start there a couple of years ago. He's not big. Um, He plays with reckless abandon. And, you know, Cam Newton was there at the time. And so, you know, he kind of just went through the system and he was break glass in case of emergency. And he showed up here and on a short week's notice with very little practice, went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in a playoff game. And at that point, um, you know, he had familiarity enough with the coaching staff and he had earned a right to compete. So they signed him as a backup. He came in they asked him to put on some weight. And he was clearly going to be the number two because they were uncertain if Kyle Allen was going to be able to be healed enough to even compete to be the number two. But Fitzpatrick was brought here to be the starter. And obviously there was a terrible thing that happened in game one. He, you know, he had a subluxation of his hip. He's going to be out for six weeks, maybe longer. And they're turning to Heineke. And all I can really tell you at this point is, is he's a gamer. He's a freelancer. He was the people's choice um, because of the way he plays. But do we know what his tendencies are or what he's going to bring to the table? No. So this is really, really – I'm I'm as curious about what I'm going to see in a couple of nights as you guys probably are. Well, you know, Bram, when you, when you look at the Giants' defense, they – and listen, no disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater. I love Teddy Bridgewater. I was thrilled when the Denver Broncos announced that they were going to run with him. Uh, you know, but they make – they made Teddy Bridgewater look like Joe Montana in in week one, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he was throwing the ball all over the yard uh, before uh, Judy got hurt. He was put up good numbers. Um, Noah Fant had a great game. So I, I'm just, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the fact that there's really not a lot of film on him? Granted, yes, he came in, uh, Fitz played just 16 snaps, so there's film from last week, but like, you know, I, I kind of I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know what? In advantage Heineke, advantage Washington in regard to this quarterback situation. Agree or disagree? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to know. I mean, it just as I was listening to the Rex Ryan bite about the problems that you guys have had on your offensive line for years and and were obvious, you know, against Denver. Um, we have similar issues here. I mean, we've got a rookie right tackle who, you know, drew a very, very hard matchup in his first ever game, and Joey Bosa got to him, made a number of plays. And granted, I don't think the Giants have a Joey Bosa on their defensive line, but 
there are weaknesses there that might be able to be exploited. The left side of the line is where Fitzpatrick got hit from his blind side and got hurt. That's a new tackle in Charles Leno, who came over from the Bears after he was released. They have a new starter. You know Eric Flowers. He's back in Washington. He's the starting left guard. So the Washington offensive line is a pretty big question, too. And Heineke, who is willing to put his body on the line, will move around a lot. He's a freelancer. Um, I think that is something that's attractive to Ron Rivera. They like that in Kyle Allen, too. I think they liked that Fitzpatrick was willing to move and take chances. So, you know, is there an advantage here? I don't know. I mean, I know the Giants are going to bring a heck of a lot more pressure in the way that they play defense than the Chargers did. And the Chargers were able to get to the quarterback often. And they put a tremendous amount of pressure on both quarterbacks. And I think that had a lot to do with, with the offensive line and them trying to come together here. So I'm not sure. I, I will say this. Um, Logan Thomas has converted into a real weapon here. Um, and I know like this hasn't, you guys saw it last year with him and we saw it and he converted from being a quarterback and it took him a long time. He's 30. Now he is, he has become an extremely productive tight end. And I saw how the tight ends, when the pressure was picked up, how they ate up the giants defense. I I would think that he's in line here and kind of knowing that this is a short week and his first start in a regular season game and only his second start in four years and third start ever I got to imagine that Washington's not asking him to do a lot, and they're going to lean on Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Logan Thomas, and some known quantities to try to ease the burden of trying to beat the pressure. Brim Weinstein joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. On the opposite side, I'm looking at Sterling Shepard this week, right? Like finally spending a lot more time out of the slot, 65% of his, uh, his routes in week one, and very similar to Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen ran majority of his routes out of the slot. He was nine for a hundred, um, was six for seventy six from the slot. W- tell me about your slot corner and how you think that matchup. Why did Keenan Allen have so much success against Washington in Week One? And are you concerned about Sterling Shepard? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know I, I, the Giants obviously have more receiver depth now with Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, and I know that that has been complicated in both of their fronts here coming into this game. Um, what happened last week, and again, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this out loud: if you're seeing Herbert in person for the first time, that guy has got the goods and is the real deal. They were 14 of 19 on third down against the Washington defensive line. I mean, that is something. Um, the matchup really to watch here is whoever William Jackson is on the new free agent corner came in. As far as debuts go, the Washington defense, that was what happened this past week. They should have given up a lot more points than 20. Don't be fooled by that score. They were outplayed. Um, and the Chargers had two turnovers in the red zone and could have scored on their last drive and got to sit on the ball. So realistically, that score is not really emblematic of, of how badly Washington was really outplayed on Sunday. That being said, no offense to Daniel Jones. I haven't seen him look like Justin Herbert yet. Um, And the matchup here is William Jackson, who he's on. He was outstanding. He was the one real bright spot in his debut. He had a pick, a couple passes defense. What ended up happening were matchups on another rookie here. Benjamin St. Juice is a third-round pick out of Minnesota, who they're they're very high on and think is going to be a very good addition for them. But he got trial by fire and ended up, in matchups with Keenan Allen, in matchups with Mike Williams, and the Chargers took advantage of it. And so I would think that he's going to be a target for your passing game again. Kendall Fuller is as good a slot corner as you're going to find in the NFL at a pick against the Giants last year. 
So I think Washington feels relatively comfortable that, A, they're going to get a heck of a lot more pressure this week based on the Giants' offensive line than they did against the Chargers, which is going to force Jones to make quicker decisions. Um, but I would be watching wherever 25, St. Juice, is. Um, he's going to be the target again to prove that last week was not something that's going to be a regular occurrence. What about Antonio Gibson? I was reading that uh, he's dealing with a shoulder issue. It, significant, not any concern there? I mean, he did rush for over 100, 100 yards. Uh, no, not really. I mean, it happened in the game. You know, it, it looked more like a stinger more than anything. I can't speak to it because they haven't been specific about it. But, you know, in the, you know, pseudo practice, you know, it's a short week. In the pseudo practice they had today, he was out there. Um, he did come back in the game after the injury occurred. So, you know, is he marginalized a little bit? Maybe, but I don't think it's anything particularly serious. And, um, and he, he had a really devastating fumble in the first game. He fumbled about three yard line, which set up what ended up being the game winning score. He fumbled again. Um, outside of that, he was outstanding. Um, so he became a bell cow for them. I'm not sure that that's how they really envisioned him through the year. Uh, he's clearly going to be their lead back. He was a receiver in college. There's going to be an incorporation of him in the passing game as well. Um, so this is another thing. I mean, I think really the bottom line with Washington right now is they expect to hang their hat, obviously, on their defense and their defensive line. It was not a good debut for them. I'm expecting them to smell blood in the water with the issues that the Giants offensive line has. The offense is a different story. I and mean, even with Fitzpatrick before he got hurt, we kind of walked into the season not really knowing what they were going to do, what they were going to look like. They have a lot more weapons now, but they didn't show much in the preseason. And the bottom line is we're not really sure, and I don't think they know what they're good at yet. So it's going to take some time for them to figure out, can they be a productive run team with Gibson as the lead back there? Are they going to be more of a pass-first type team? And now that Heineke's taking over, and he's not a structured quarterback. He's a freelancer, very good at it. He's got a really good feel of it. Is this going to materialize? So, again, like, I'm really curious about what this looks like because I'm not really sure that we're going to sit here and go, we know that this is where the ball's going to go or how they want to run their offense. I think they're kind of figuring it out on the fly. Um, Curtis Samuel, do you anticipate it? I know he's dealing with a groin issue. Do you anticipate a chance no. that he's going to be active or no? No, he got put on short-term IR, so he's the oh, earliest he he's coming back is week four. Yeah, week okay. four is the earliest he's coming back. Yeah, Diami Brown, I loved him coming out of college. Do you? I, I know he got some targets in week one. In any any expectation for him on Thursday night against the Giants? They love him. Um, he did draw big pass interference in the game. He's got a lot of speed. Um, they are hoping the plan is him opposite of McLaurin should open up a tremendous amount of space. And the one Samuel comes back to allow him to kind of maneuver in a number of versatile different ways, but obviously he's not there. Um, Brown, frankly, has looked like a rookie to the preseason and in the first game as well, but his speed is something to be reckoned with. And I saw what happened to the Giants secondary, which I think is probably considering who they have probably going to get rectified too, but, they should have given up a bomb touchdown in that first game. That was a clear drop. They gave up some big plays down the field and Brown is a threat and they are, and because Samuel's out, he's going to have a very large role in this expect him opposite of McLaurin consistently. And um, he is, 
with someone that they want to target. But again, until we kind of get a sense of Heineke and how he runs things, it's really hard to know where any of this is really going. But he'll be out there. He's going to get a lot of snaps. And I know long term, they really see him as a traditional deep threat. All right, Bram, before I let you go, uh, what's your game script here? How does this play out on Thursday night? Who wins? What do you think the score is going to be? I mean, you know, I'm biased here, but I, I do like Washington based on what's going on with the Giants offensive line and Daniel Jones's propensity for turnovers. I mean, I feel like something and I mean, if you heard what the defensive players were saying today, they're motivated. There was a lesson learned. They are not happy with what happened. This was the best defense that they've had in a very long time. They're proud of it. They're making pronouncements of all-time sack records for defensive end duos, things like that. And they're supposed to be better because on paper they upgraded. They got Landon Collins back. They signed William Jackson. They're better. They're supposedly better. Um, So I expect the defense to have a huge game. But I, I really do believe this is on both lines. Washington's offensive line has to be better than it was especially with an inexperienced quarterback like this. And the Giants' offensive line obviously has to be better than it was or Young and Sweater are going to wreck this game. So I'm biased, but I think low scoring because I don't see much from either offense. And I think a turnover here or there at the right time is going to help Washington get away with a win. So just just to confirm, so Washington's defense upset about their performance, but really it's it's – is it anything that they did wrong or was it just how otherworldly Justin Herbert is or a, or a so mixture of I both? Combination, okay. I mean, you know, if you 14 of 19 on third down, um, one of them was a third and 16 from their own 12, <clears throat> the third and eight throw on the same drive that ended up running out the clock on them in the fourth quarter was a pros pro outside shoulder. Very few guys make this type of play type of throw touchdown pass was an unbelievable throw. Herbert was outstanding. I mean, I could not be more impressed in seeing him in person. And against the defense, where we have very high expectations here for what this group is. But they'll be the first to tell you there were a ton of missed assignments. Um, they were not coordinated particularly well in this game. They didn't bring enough pressure. They thought they'd get enough from their front four. They didn't. Um, maybe that's different this time around. But they have a much higher expectation of how they're going to play. And it's a quick turnaround, but my expectation is you're going to see it, um, especially from their front four. And that is with a almost laughably deep amount of rotation, especially on their interior defensive line. Matt Ioannidis can settle the start for other teams. They're primary backups here. So I anticipate a big game from their defensive line and therefore, I'm hinging the hope on a mistake here or there by the Giants' offense is going to end up ultimately turning it. Got it. Bram, you rock. Thank you so much for joining us so late on a Tuesday night. I so appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. And my pleasure. See you soon. You got it. Bram Weinstein uh, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.